Hello and welcome to Tape Notes, the podcast that looks behind the scenes at the magic of recording and producing music. Every episode we'll be reuniting an artist and producer and talking through some of the highlights from their collaboration in the studio. So join us as we lift the lid on the creative process and the inner workings of music production to see what lies beneath. Hello, I'm John Kennedy, and joining me for this episode of Tape Notes is Muramasa to talk about how he wrote, recorded, and produced the album Demon Time. Alex Crossan, better known as Muramasa, is a multi-instrumentalist, songwriter, DJ, and producer from Guernsey in the Channel Islands. Having played in local hardcore punk and gospel bands growing up, Alex found his way into electronic music aged 15 after becoming inspired by artists such as Gorillaz and Hudson Mohawk. Initially putting out tracks on SoundCloud, his page quickly drew the attention of established artists and record labels, and in 2014 he released his first official mixtape, Soundtrack to a Death, on Jakarta Records. Still working from his bedroom, in 2017 he released a self-titled debut album, with tracks featuring Charlie XCX, Christine and the Queens and Damon Albarn, as well as the hit single Lovesick featuring ASAP Rocky. Alex's first full-length record picked up two Grammy nominations, Best Recording Package and Best Dance Electronic Album. The next year, at the Grammys, he won Best Remixed Recording Non-Classical for his remix of Himes Walking Away, dedicating the award to his mum. His second album, RYC, followed in 2020. Filled with a contemporary take on the music he grew up on, the record featured collaborations with Slow Tie, Wolf Alice and Georgia, among others, as explored in Tape Notes episode 34. Consistently in high demand, his talents as a producer and songwriter have seen him collaborate on records with BTS, Nile Rodgers and Sheik, Stormzy and Nao, among many others. His most recent album, Demon Time, was released in September 2022 and is once again filled with features from high-flying collaborators, including Pink Pantheress, Shy Girl and Pasalu, among others. Today, I'm here at Spitfire Audio and I'm joined by Alex Muramasa and what better way to start our conversation than by hearing something from the record. This is Blessing Me. Muramasa, they give him the energy. Baby Bendo, bless me. Bless me. Baby, why you tempting me? Tempting. She tell me, baby, can you ride with me? With who? Baby, come and ride on me. Mm-hmm. Baby, how you move so dangerously? Don't you know? Don't you know you are dangerous, babe? Mm-hmm. Baby, when you move, it's stressing me. Stress. Baby, why you blessing me? Mm-hmm. Baby, why you blessing me? Mm-hmm. Baby, why you blessing me? Mm-hmm. Baby, why you tempting me? Mm-hmm. Baby, don't worry, keep blessing me. Mm-hmm. Baby, why you blessing me? Baby, why you blessing me? Bless. Baby, why you tempting me? Tempting. Baby, don't worry, keep blessing me. Bless me, baptize me, Kaki. Me love you right, and I like jilapi. It is Muramasa with Blessing Me, and I'm very pleased to say that Muramasa is here with me. Alex, hello. Hi. It's great again. to see you again. Yeah. Welcome back to Tape Notes. Thanks for having me back. We're in a fancier studio this time round. Um, yeah. We're in Spitfire. It's a bit different from Brixton, where we were before. I like the old digs. Yes, no, they were nice and intimate, but we're here at Spitfire. Um, mm-hmm. And you've got a new record out, which is yes. Demon Time, from which Blessing Me is from. We talked about RYC before, which mm. came out a few years ago. Um, this new one has arrived what was going on? You know, what did he want to do this time round? Yeah, very different conversation this time, I imagine, which is good, I think. Yeah, definitely. We're going to be talking about very different concepts. I mean, uh, straight into the conversation, I don't really want to talk about lockdown and COVID yeah. and everything. But 
I think at the start of lockdown, I was just thinking like, okay, so this is cool. It's an opportunity to make introspective music and like cathartic music about not being able to connect with people and isolation and things like that. And I tried that for six or seven months and just was not having a good time with it and kind of gave up at one point and was uh, not really feeling it. And there was a couple of lockdown albums that came out from other artists that kind of sounded like that. And I was like, this doesn't feel like it's what we need at the moment. And then the kind of revelatory moment was just realizing like, actually the thing to do or the better exercise mentally and kind of creatively is to go the other way and just imagine actually what's it going to sound like when we're allowed to snog whoever we want again and you know like <laughs> actually be with that was uppermost in your mind yeah that was yeah. primary motivation <laughs> but um yeah that was what was going through my head and as a result i think just the main motivating factor behind the music just became about having fun and like yeah being allowed some joy that we were kind of like robbed of so having a demon time you could say well exactly yeah Excellent. And that is the first song we're going to listen to is Demon Time. Um, so I think maybe if we have a blast of the master of that and then we'll start digging into it. Cool. So that is Demon Time with Bailey. It's the opening song on Demon Time, the album, and it sets the stall out rather well, yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, it's a statement of intent. It is, for sure. very much so. So, I mean, it, having changed tack, having kind of reassessed things and thought, hang on a minute, what I want is some party music to uplift me and uplift other people. Yeah. How did you go about doing that? What was the you know, main direction? Because obviously you, Alex, are somebody who covers a lot of different styles. There's a, lo- <laughs> a lot of different options and a lot of different inspirations for you yeah if there's one thing that can be said about me it's probably that i do a lot of stuff (laughs) well it was interesting because i know last time i was here we talked a lot about kind of trying to capture some of the punk spirit and kind of letting things happen in the room and like not really having a plan but with this one obviously i wanted to do that for spontaneity's sake and kind of capture things with the featured artists in the room but one thing I did differently this time was kind of just create like a sonic palette beforehand. And I've got like a whole folder of just like demon timey sounds. Now, what that is, I don't really, I couldn't tell you. It's just like things that I heard in the months previous to starting working on the album that I was just like, that's quite demon timey or that feels like I want it to sound. I think I might be synesthesia. What's the... What's the word? Synesthetic? Synesth- yeah, I think I might have synesthesia. Right, which is um, where music conjures up colours. Yeah, or sort of like, yeah, there's just a, a weird relationship between the different senses and like, yeah, there's just things that sounded to me like demon timey. And this track is a good example of that. It's sort of built of sounds that I'd gathered beforehand, especially the kind of main riff of the song, which I'll show you now. 
I was messing around on a Moog DFAM. You familiar with that little box? I can't say I am, but I'm <laughs> sure other people will be. It's kind of like a semi-modular... I think it's sort of supposed to be a drum machine, but you can kind of use it for a lot of different things. And a lot of the loops in this song were kind of just generated off that. And you can kind of see from the project, like it's very simple. There's only about 20 tracks and most of them are vocals. But yeah, this is the main kind of loop that started the song, basically. It's a head nodder already. Yeah, so you can kind of hear like that to me already sounds like a sort of Missy Elliott, you know, yeah. like that would be the start of the song. And then kind of fiddling with the knobs and doing a lot of longer takes, there's like variations on it. And so when you started creating this Demon Time folder, is that just sounds you've created or is it like a mood board where you put in all sorts of other things, you know, other tracks by other people that you feel are, that's the kind of thing I'm kind of going for? I tried not to do that this time just because I didn't want to... Well, this is an interesting longer answer. I think I became really attracted to like the late 90s and early noughties, that kind of feeling in pop culture around that time, because I feel like that was probably the last time that people were optimistic about the future. You know, like without getting too heavy, like post 9-11 and like post the mortgage crisis in 2008 and things like that. And now when we think about the future, we think about climate change, war, crazy right-wing regimes like Mark Zuckerberg telling us that the metaverse is really cool. No, I promise it's really cool. (laughs) Um, I mean, I feel like back then it was much more, you were able to think about the future as being like, anything could happen. Like, whoa, there might be aliens or like, it was just a bit more carefree, I think. Yeah. So that cascading into the next bit of the extremely long answer to your question (laughs) I was trying to be very careful not to just pastiche music from that time because Mm. I feel like that kind of Y2K thing gets very flattened just down to like an aesthetic. So I wasn't really creating like mood boards with specific music from elsewhere. I was just kind of like creating sounds and then just trusting my gut as far as that kind of sounds like something from that era. I mean, this whole song is kind of like, I'd say the direct inspiration for it was probably one of those like early Pharrell and Chad Hugo beats where you can just hear them like knocking on the table and then just putting it in really quickly, quite like innocent synth sounds and stuff. So yeah, all that is to say, mainly I was responsible for making the sounds on the album. There's a couple of samples here and there on some of the other tracks maybe we're going to talk about, but yeah. Yeah, I just wondered, because you do a cover or kind of a a reversion of Baby Cakes. Yeah, um, exactly. (laughs) Which is a a kind of garage tune from the early noughties, 2004 or something. kind of goes directly against what I'm saying, doesn't it? Yeah, well, in a way, but even when you listen to the whole record, it's a lot of different styles within the album. No, it's not like, oh, you like UK Garage. I mean, as you already started (laughs) unfolding with Demon Time, there's a kind of Missy Elliott Mm. feel to this track and i guess you're playing around with your instruments trying to conjure up sounds that give you that feeling of optimism i suppose Is yeah that- definitely it's kind of naivety or like uh yeah like i say i think that was the last time in pop culture and in hip-hop where it was like it's okay to have a bit of fun i think about that jill santana song i think it's called the whistle song i think about that a lot because the hook is just like 
<laughs> and I'm just like, you wouldn't get that now. It would be some lyric about something debaucherous, which is also cool, but it's just different. Yeah. Because the lyric in Demon Time is quite raunchy too. But we'll get <laughs> onto that maybe as you explain more about the music, about how the song evolved after finding that beat. Yeah. I mean, mainly that loop was the kind of inspiration. And then I think basically what I did after that was just add the clap on the two and four and it sort of just already sounds like a, a beat. And then it was just about sort of doing things for structure and adding in the kicks, which have this very like Ferrelli kind of quality to them. Just try and solo all the percussion here. Maybe if I take the leap out. There's like different kick sounds going on and like, yeah, you can just hear me having fun messing around as I'm making it. Beyond that, there's like very few other sounds going on. I mean, there's a couple of fun things at the end, like trying to imitate the kind of fader riding of like a DJ using like tremolo and stuff. So I had this like Hoover sound, not a vacuum cleaner Hoover, like a Hoover like the synth. <laughs> and then kind of like modulating a tremolo to make it sound like there's a sort of DJ like, you know, scratching it up and stuff. Yeah. And then doing the same thing with this very hilarious sound of kids cheering. Which is just like kind of <laughs> library stock sound. Right. It's not like you went down the road and No, I mean that would have been much cooler. But trying to make it sound like it's being scratched up a bit. And how are you recreating that scratching effect then? On this particular thing, I'm using... Some people spent 20 years of their life trying to learn <laughs> how to do that really well. well. This is kind of like the fake version of that. Like, I actually did try and record it on my CDJs, but I just couldn't get it tight enough, and it just seemed like I could get a better result by faking it, <laughs> to be honest. I think that's okay in the spirit of, like, having fun and not, oh, totally. not worrying too much about it. But I'm using this Good Hertz. It's called Trim Control. It's just like a tremolator thing. I use a lot of Good Hertz plugins. I just want to hear a bit more of that. I, I really like it. Oh, yeah, sure. <laughs> so yeah. evolving the tracks for the record, one track at a time, is it? Or are you kind of working on lots of different pieces that are going to end up making the album? And then when do you decide who to turn to for vocals if you want vocals on it? Because you've got a really wide array of different people collaborating here. Yeah. That's always like the most interesting question I get asked is like, how do you pick people? Like there's so many people and I never really know the answer. What I normally say is like, I really like what they do, which sounds really banal to say out loud. It's a good um, reason though. But I listen to a lot of music and there's mm. only a few things that I really latch onto. So that's one reason I'll reach out. Another reason is like, I have them in mind when I'm making the song, as is the case with Demon Time. I had Bailey in mind. I'd heard a song that she did called Clown Shit, which I really enjoyed and just kind of had her at the back of my mind and then made this and immediately sent it to her straight away. But mostly it just emerges out of sort of gut feeling, I guess. It's like that would sound really good or, for example, like putting Little Uzi Vert on the Baby Cake song. It was kind of a logical progression of like, okay, we've got a flip of Baby Cakes with Shy Girl and Pink Panthers, and it's like, what's the leftist thing that we can do where 
that is being juxtaposed with something completely odd, like a extremely punky American rapper who probably hasn't heard Baby Cakes or is unaware of kind of the cult following around it. So yeah, sometimes it's like a sort of logical train of thought. Other times it's just like, I really want to make something with them. But in this case, I, I had Bailey in mind the whole time and she's super talented, as you yeah. can hear. And it's a perfect match. It really works. Yeah. We went back and forth on it a few times and kind of like changed some lyrics. And actually, I've got something quite funny to play, which is my ref that I sent to her because I we didn't have a hook and I sort of was having a cigarette one day. And I was like, because the album was already called Demon Time at this point. And uh, I just kind of came up with that hook and sort of whispered it into my phone and then went and recorded a version to send to her. I can play a bit of that. It's quite funny. So I'm trying to like sound like I'm from New York a little bit. Yeah, here it is. Demon time. Go, 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 demon. Go, 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 demon. Go, 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 demon. Hey, hey, go, demon. It's demon time. It's demon time. It's demon time. It's demon time. <laughs> doing my best, Bailey. I, I think you're doing a good job there. You could be from New Guernsey. Yeah. Uh, possibly. Mm, Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I couldn't resist it. No, that's good. I enjoyed that a lot. So, I mean, had you met Bailey at this point or were you just getting in touch cold? No, we hadn't met. Yeah, I think I just DM'd her on uh, Twitter. Yeah, I guess, I mean, when I say met, I suppose I mean, had you ever been in touch? Because nowadays often yeah. people don't meet, do they? No, this was cold. This was mm. like, hello, I really like you. I made this. I thought you'd like it. I hope you're well. You know, like, yeah. and she did really like it. And she wrote something incredible over it. And from there, we got to know each other, obviously. And we've yeah. hung out since then. But you'd given her that kind of vocal reference, I guess. So she had... That actually came much later. Oh, that okay. I'd right. just given her the beat, just cold, to see what she would do. And then based on what she did, I wrote a hook for her. And yeah, there was a bit of trading. But that's another thing I really enjoyed doing on this album is like getting much more involved as a writer. I know I keep talking about Pharrell, but this is one of the things that he's really good at is just curating the whole thing from kind of top to bottom, like making the beat, writing the chorus or the key lyric that kind of informs the rest of the song and that's the case with the next song we're going to talk about as well hmm. but um yeah i guess what i'm really trying to do on this album is just be a bit more curatorial and kind of like in control of the vibe as a whole and kind of like leading people down a trail and getting the best out of them yeah kind of creating the vibe first rather than kind of waiting to see what comes up because some of those collaborations say for yeah. ryc with that joint thing in the room creating an atmosphere that mm. was conducive to creativity and then mm. seeing what resulted and then working out what you wanted to do with that. Whereas this is having a, a more overseer type approach to things, I suppose. Yeah. I basically just got obsessed with Warhol. I was like reading every book that's ever been written about Warhol. And I was like, it's so interesting that obviously as an artist, he was very prolific and kind of a genius. But the thing that I find really interesting is the whole factory element and like inviting weird New York art people to just hang out and see what happens and like kind of being the weird background figure that connects all these bands and photographers and artists and stuff. Not that I'm anything like that, but that idea of like being a bit more curatorial really got under my skin during this and I had a lot of fun with it. Yeah. I had a lot of fun with it. <laughs> I must say that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's good. It's good. You wanted some fun. That's what you yeah. decided that what you should be seeking. And it's great to know that you did find that fun. Yeah. With regard to this track, 
mm-hmm. what more was there to do? So, I mean, what did Bailey send you back? I mean, are you able to show her work in progress at all? Yeah, I mean, basically the final kind of verses is what she sent back, minus a few chop some things up and sort of use them as ad-libs, but I can... Ride it all night just like a Vespa. She my butterfly wings on the Tesla. Stealing all these niggas so they might arrest us. Yeah, that nigga wanna fuck is messed up. Spit him out, then I suck him back up. Never said I'd be nice, I never. I know I've been a really bad girl. I'm just trying to birth a king like Coretta. I'm a hood girl like a bird. <laughs> That's a crazy line. Breed the king like Coretta. <laughs> I didn't understand that for a while, but it's Martin Luther King's wife was Coretta. Right. So she was trying to breed the king like Martin Luther King. It's a yeah, crazy, it, insane line. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's amazing. And and she recorded that vocal herself because there's a kind of background yeah. thing as well, like a, a second voice. or Yeah, voice. so that was, I think I sort of organized that from other clips of things that she had done. Yeah, like this sort of call and response. I'm a hook girl like a bird fly. Our nerd, why? Oh, demon. Like, that's just chopped up from somewhere else and inserted by me. And there was a couple of lines that I changed the order of, like I thought in this bit. Ballad, yeah, you know we certified. Bad bitch, and you know she verified. I swapped those two lines around because I thought it would be funny uh, to have the word verified be the sort of pop at the end of the phrase and then have the little ding sound like right. the verified tick. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, the DNA of that attitude is all over the album where it's just like, what's funny? Like what makes you laugh a little bit or like what's kind of like theatrical or a bit mischievous, like having all the motorbike sounds in the background was just something that I found really fun like because yeah. it creates sort of dance in itself. we got to hear them now. Yeah, sure. Because she mentions a Vespa. Yeah, maybe it came from that. It's kind of like different, like idling sounds. Yeah. And it's kind of used here as like a, to build tension, as like the startup sound during the build up. It's like speeding off. And then the kids, fake DJ kids. <laughs> It's great. I mean, it is like, now we're on this trip. Yeah, it's sort of, and there's something about the starting of an engine at the top of the album that I think is funny. It's quite visual. Yeah, I mean, during a lot of this conversation, I'm essentially just going to be saying like, yeah, I thought it was fun or like, yeah, I thought it was cool. But like, that really is the sort of approach with this album, which I think is very different from the last time we talked where it was quite premeditated and quite careful. This is more just like, yeah, we uh, it made us laugh in the studio, so we kept it in. <laughs> yeah, that's as good a criteria as anything else, really, isn't it? And, yeah. and, um, so when when was this? So you've gone through that period where, I guess, m- must have been in 2020, when you think about mm-hmm. new songs, isolation songs, and, and kind of <laughs> got sick of all of that. So are we talking 2021 now? Maybe by that time, yeah. I mean, it was probably not long after we last spoke that I was thinking about lockdown music yeah. and that sort because of thing. I, I, was it January 2020 that we it must have been, talked yeah. something because the album was around that time. Yeah. yeah. I managed to play a few shows on the world tour and then just get everything got cancelled. So yeah, I guess we're talking like end of 2020, start of 2021 maybe, where I'm starting to mess around with some of these ideas hmm. and clock on to the fact that actually what I should be doing is making music that's like the opposite of how everyone feels so that by the time it comes out, maybe it's sort of is able to soundtrack 
it's something of a return to, not a return to normality, but a kind of allowing of uh, fun again. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it seems like a great idea because now we're ready for this. We're embracing this. Yeah. And also probably helped you get through that time, enjoying yeah. another perspective. Absolutely. And like reconnecting with that sense of making music is supposed to be fun. Like even if you're making really sad music, like I imagine like Tom York sitting around like trying to think of like the saddest chord for a song. And then when he finds it, he probably like ebullient, you know, like, <laughs> yeah. oh, that's so sad. Like, you know, it's supposed <laughs> to be fun, the whole process. Yeah, totally. Um, anything else that we should hear from Demon Time before we move on? There's a couple more things that I made on the um, DFAM. Just little percussion loops. I mean, if you want, we could build up through the track and you could highlight things. Yeah, sure. So from the top, demon time is demon time. it's literally just this moog thing and this little clap. Oh, now if I slate the clap, someone's going to sample it. Yeah, and then here there's a couple of these kind of build-up sounds that are all uh, defam stuff. I mean, it really is deceptively simple, this track. There's a couple of these kind of funny, bubbly, like, that's quite Y2K evocative in my mind. Like all these kind of crazy little effects uh, stabs, I guess. And uh, they things you've created purposefully or, or? Yeah, it's like a combination of things that I would have made myself or like this evil laugh that kind of appears all over Demon Time. That's kind of a stock, famous stock sound, which I thought was quite funny. Yeah, and that's basically it. I think I've gone through every single element of the track at that point. So that's a classic Muramasa track where it's like you listen to it and then you look at the project and you're like, actually, there's only like five or six things going on, maybe only four at a time. Simple but effective. What more do you want? Yeah, I think part of the spirit of, or part of that sound of Demon Time that I was talking about is like kind of dry, close, minimalistic, like doing a lot with as little as possible. And it was really fun to kind of explore that. Whereas the last album was quite maximalist in places and kind of intense. <laughs> yeah. Let's hear the master again and then we can move on. Yeah. Um, maybe near the end of the track or something. Play it from a different point. Yeah. Don't fucking push me. She know, she know how to push me. You can't help but think of a whole posse of people all moving as one. Right, um, yeah. In the video. With the, um, or with the crowd. Uh, yeah, yeah. Your whole gang. Or else uh, doing loads of dancing at the same time. <laughs> well, it's about togetherness, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, <laughs> totally. Fantastic. So that is Demon Time, and that introduces the record brilliantly. Um, we're going to take a quick break, but the next song we're going to look at will be Hollowback Bitch. Mm, I love hearing you say it. <laughs> <laughs> The next song we're going to look at from Demon Time by Muramasa is Hollaback Bitch. And Alex will play the master now so we can get an idea. Uh, uh, uh. 
meeting like this All this sneaking around and shit Gotta be real, can't be begging this shit One of us hitting the switch Gotta go nuclear in this bitch Dropping a bomb on the both of us, bitch Knowing this shit, scratch that itch Sick of this sitch, won't be a holla bad bitch 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 Hollaback Bitch featuring Shy Girl in that section. And you mentioned, Alex, that you wanted to be more curatorial with regard to this new record and these new songs. Where were you recording? What had changed in the Muramasa setup? This is an interesting example because it was written at a writing camp for Shy Girl's album. And sometimes these things happen where it's like you write a lot of music and then some people take it for their projects and this didn't end up on the Shy Girl album, so I was like, can I extend this out? And it's good for me because this is another example of me like writing quite a lot of the song and like coming up with the key, the hollaback bitch idea, and like doing the beat, writing a lot of the verse and kind of putting it in front of Shy and being like, I think this would sound really good coming out of your mouth, less so my mouth. <laughs> but yeah, we were we were at an Airbnb in Brighton which wow. I'm doing a lot more nowadays is like renting an Airbnb somewhere outside of London or somewhere scenic and kind of bringing some monitors and a bunch of mates who make music and kind of setting up these kind of, you know, if the owner of the Airbnb was to come back, they'd be like, what the hell have you done? You've moved all the furniture. Like, but it's fun to make these little like guerrilla writing studios. So yeah, I'm doing that a bit more at the moment. That's interesting. And and do you bring any instruments? Do you bring microphones? Presumably? Yeah, yeah. All so sorts of stuff. All the equipment you would need, but not an overabundance of it. Yeah, no. sort of just enough to like get everything done, like uh, studio quality, like you could use it on the actual album. But I really like that way of working because suddenly you're in a new environment. The only kind of goal for the day every time you wake up is to eat enough food, drink enough water and make loads of music. So like it suddenly just becomes this like rolling. I was at a writing camp last week in Hastings for an artist called Gretel Henline. And we made a whole EP there and kind of were just writing for hours and hours every day. So I think it's kind of an emergent style of like writing camp for new artists. It's kind of the extension of before you had to go to kind of a proper studio and have everything set up. Then there was like laptops and people could do it in their bedrooms. And now it's like, well, a bunch of people with laptops can kind of form a coagulate like mini studio in a random location and like kind of treat it like a boot camp or a summer camp or something. Yeah. But this was a result of one of those. Amazing. Yeah. And it's kind of a reinvention of the residential studio where a band might go and live exactly, in, yeah. in Wales. For, yeah, that's three months. Yeah, you're all like bunking together and kind of like cooking for each other and quite an interesting dynamic that emerges. Yeah, and so you just roll out of bed, go to the laptop. Yeah, me, and me especially because I don't really eat breakfast. Normally I just have a coffee, maybe a banana or something. And I get up really late and go to bed really late. For example, last week I was sort of rolling out of bed at one, necking some coffee and then just, just straight into music until... 11, 12, 1. I really like that. It's very focused and it's only ever for like a week at a time. Yeah. And it felt conducive to making this kind of music for this album where it's like the focus is on sociality and kind of like existing in the same space with other people and like making music that 
makes the other people laugh or smile or feel a bit mischievous or whatever. Yeah, that's great. And so this was something that Shy Girl didn't think was right for what she was working on for herself, but you took it away and redeveloped it and started working on lyrics mm-hmm. and suggested that maybe she should sing this or... Yeah, I mean, it kind of formed itself at the camp. We recorded her parts at the camp and kind of wrote the thing together. To be honest, I think she just has so much good music that she was like, I don't think there's even room on the album for this. I mean, there's loads of stuff from that camp that we didn't use that will definitely come out in some form. But this was one that I sort of attached myself to and really gravitated towards just because I had such a kind of big role in the conceptualizing it and maybe was kind of sneakily trying to get her to do something for my album as well. I was like, <laughs> this would be perfect. Well, it, it's, it works for both of you, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's a symbiotic relationship between me and her, definitely. Could you talk us through how it all unfolded then? Sure. So I think it just started with this bass line and this Bunny Siegler sample. Actually, I could probably stretch this out and just play the uninterrupted intro to this song, Shake Your Booty by Bunny Siegler. <laughs> Sounds good when I say it. It does. It sounds great. Shake your boot here. Hey, kid! Yeah! How you feel? You feel all right? Yeah! Y'all feel like dancing? Yeah! All right, one, two, one, two. You know. So that is obviously gold for a producer because it's just like uninterrupted vocal shouts and stuff. Yeah. And kind of chopping that up, combining it with the bass line. And again, just a clap. Bass line and clap is like a theme on this album for sure. Just really, really simple. Kind of similar to Demon Time where it's like, Really, I'm just trying to make a sort of empty playground for the featured artists to come in and like be very visible and for it to be about what they do and kind of allowing that to happen in the best way possible. I mean, the song gets a bit more complicated as it builds into the kind of main chorus drop. I don't know. Does yeah. The word drop seems to have completely fallen out of fashion. It's kind of mutated. It's got many different meanings, I think. Yeah. Like it used to just mean like, you know, like in a Skrillex song. It's like, <laughs> oh, the drop. Like that's the bit where the bass goes crazy and like all this stuff. But now I don't like using it. Anyway, the loud bit, shall we say. <laughs> There's like a bit more going on. There's this crazy muted trumpet sample that I sort of stumbled across and then chopped up a little bit. Any idea who was playing that? No, I think it's from some sort of, you know, royalty-free sample pack of some kind. But it's interesting when you listen to the song, because that doesn't come in until a couple of minutes, is it? Minute 30, maybe. Yeah. yeah. And so then it it becomes a feature in itself. Yeah, it's definitely... Which is nice. The lead line, yeah. Yeah. Maybe we should play the section just before that so that we can then see how it is framed. Very repetitious, this song. Won't be all about I really like the trumpet though. It 
yeah. it's a contrast to everything else. But in my mind, I was imagining somebody walking to the front of the stage and uh, <laughs> blowing their trumpet. So, um, and the phrase "hollaback bitch" is that something that came from Shy Girl, or is that something that you had thought of that you oh, put to her? That was an idea that I had had, yeah, and just about writing a song about not wanting to text someone back because you felt like you were being called on for only sexual reasons, you know, like that sort of thing. I thought that would be really funny coming out of her mouth just with the character that she's built. And there's all sorts of crazy lyrics in the verse about mm. like, I mean, I can just play some of it. It's all pretty <laughs> outrageous. Backyard bully in bed. Don't give a fuck about giving no hair. Take what comes to the weak boy dead. Shy comes first and the rest can wait. No time for needs other than me. Might just fuck you, chill, then leave. I want drama. Don't give a fuck about karma. <laughs> leave him on bread. You can call if you want to. You know what I mean? It's just like nonstop. Like, did she say that? Yeah. <laughs> and that's all from her then? Or no, that, no, I wrote that. You bit. wrote all yeah. that. That's mad. And how? what did she say when... You presented her with those words. She was just like, this is fab. Yeah. And just did it. Yeah. Or, or like, you know, she made it her own and changed some words here and there. There was a line about blue balls that got cut. But she was like, yes, you know, don't care about that. <laughs> so then in the development of this, you decided that you wanted another voice, that there was something else that was going to go on in the song. Yeah. Well, at the camp, I'd kind of, well, we together had written this first verse and it had a great hook kind of built into it. And then we were able to take it into this dancier kind of trumpet section and then that was as far as we got with it at the time and then I was kind of like scouring old ideas seeing if anything was demon timey and came across it and rather than like get shy back in after the fact to be like let's retrofit another verse to like extend the song out I just thought like well I started getting obsessed with the idea of it being like a sort of duet where both people have the same point of view where it's like well, I'm not going to text you back and you're not going to text me back and it's like not that they are directly talking to each other I'm not even sure if they know each other but <laughs> yeah that feeling of like duality and kind of like representing the other side of the coin almost and Channel Trace came straight to mind he was the only person I asked like it wasn't like I shopped out and he got back extremely quickly killed his verse did exactly what I wanted him to do, which is follow on from what Shy is saying in the first part and gave me all these great BVs for the last chorus to kind of like give it a lift. So entire credit goes to him for that because he just kind of curated the end of the song himself and made it his own. Maybe we can hear a bit of that. Yeah, maybe we should hear the other bits first and then get the BVs. Oh yeah, I, make, yeah, yeah, that, yeah. Let's um, hear the channel trace bit. Won't be a holla bad bitch. You like when I touch it like this, make you wanna holler back shit. She a little freak off freak, don't care, she gon' choose who I'm with. Hands tied up again. It's a damn I'm a thin. Tight dress, she a problem. Got it stretched out in the cool with the sun. You about to start soon. You a nigga on London. Feel a heart rate jumping. Good D coming straight from the source. That's just like a fun thing, having the heartbeat kick when he's talking about his heart rate. Fuck me, of course. Yeah, nah, I won't be a hollaback bitch. He's got such a laid back yeah. delivery. It's incredible. Yeah. I like where this is headed. I won't be a hollaback bitch. It's got all these layers. That's all just trace. 
it gave me all these amazing one-liners that you can hear in the kind of build-up. Like, bitch, won't be a hollaback bitch, won't be a hollaback bitch. But she want me to call her back, you know? <laughs> kind of give it like a more rappy kind of feeling or just like, like it's a skit or something. Yeah. And I really love that. And then ending the song with, the song starts with my actual ringtone. That's my phone actually going off in the studio. <laughs> and then the, the texting sound. And then it ends with the text back. So right. it turns out they did actually holler back at each other. <laughs> Which I think is the best case scenario. That's great. It's really interesting hearing how it evolved, you know, how these different meetings led you down different courses of action and, and how something you know, can take a while, you know, for it to, you know, just to stumble upon it again and think, oh yeah, there's actually more I can do with this. Yeah. And I think there's a lot of stock in trying to make it sound like it all happened at the same time or that it always existed or just like little things like mixing in Shy's ad libs with Trace's verse. Like there's a bit where like right here. It's tied up again. Like I put this shy ad lib in over that. It's tied up again. Mm. It's a thing like with this. Tiny thing, but it just like meshes the two worlds together in a way that sounds like they're sort of performing alongside each other. Mm. And there's bits of that all over the song. But I think stuff like that is really important so that it doesn't just sound like um, you just smashed it all together, you know, with no thought. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, is there anything else we should hear? There's an interesting, maybe this is interesting for someone out there, but the kind of lead synth, this guy, it's actually a Tom sample from a drum machine that just like had a tonality to it that was really interesting. I just so, yeah. Yeah. It's like a, a Tom from an MD1, mm. but then kind of with some glide between the notes. Yeah. And then there's a couple of other like really vintage sounding pads that are quite quiet because you don't want them to be like, that's, you know, talking about pastiche. It's like, as soon as you have a sound like that too loud, it's like, well, you're just doing the thing that they did before. But as a texture, I think it is really interesting. And then other than that, again, quite a simple affair. I mean, I feel like this is going to be a recurring uh, theme. It's fun. It's simple. Like, <laughs> but that's good. You know, you've done deep and meaningful in a way. <laughs> Maybe, yeah. <laughs> I hope so. No, and I'm sure you'll return to deep and meaningful in a different yeah. way at a different point. But I think it's really interesting how it is all so reflective of, of what's going on, both in your personal life or in the wider world. You know, mm. it has such an important effect on us. And you needed this in a way. Yeah. I mean, it's as much for me as it is for anyone else, which mm. I really that's a unique experience for me in an album. Like with the last one, it was like, it was a real left turn. Nobody really asked me to make a guitar music album. I'm feeling quite vindicated now that that thing has come full circle and is very popular again. But at the time that was like, that was a personal choice and it was difficult to like have to make that music against anyone's kind of desires. But this weirdly is a completely different kind of music, but in a way it's almost even more selfish. It just happens to be music that is closer to the kind of music that you might expect me to make. But it's really self-indulgent and kind of like just based on my desire to inject a bit of joy into the process and kind of 
after so long being denied so many things, you can't go out, you can't see other people, you can't, you know, it's nice to give a thumbs up to things instead and be like, you know what, it's fine. You can get away with it for now. <laughs> yeah, excellent. Well, we've got to make the most of that. And we're going to look at a third song mm. from Demon Time. The next one we're going to look at is Emotions. Yes, exciting. The next song we're going to look at is Emotions, or should I say Emotions, because it's e dash Motions, Alex. I know. What kind of pretentious <laughs> nonsense is this? I like it. It's kind of in fitting with the theme in a way, the, the it, playful yeah. aspect it kind of it of just, all. Because Erica asked me as well, Erica de Cassier, who features on this track, she was like, why have you stylized it that way? And I was like, don't know, just felt demon timey. <laughs> and like, that's vindicating to hear you say it. Like, yeah, it just feels right. It does. It certainly does. So, I mean, with this record, it, you know, it's a different approach, a different objective in a way. How is that reflected in, you know, how you behave? Because when we did the last episode, when we were talking about RYC and we talked mm. about your background and a bit about your childhood and you know, your, your music interest and how that developed through bands and then you know, leaving Guernsey and moving to London and mm -hmm. you know, how obviously those are big, big changes in, in your life. But now, you know, three albums in, you're quite well established. You work with lots of other people. You've already been talking about other sessions that you're working with for other artists' work. Mm. Does that mean you're nice and settled and too comfortable? Or <laughs> or does it mean things are kind of easier? So say when you cold call Bailey out the blue, yeah. she says, oh, Muramasa has just sent me a DM. And it has a different kind of effect. Whereas obviously when you were the boy from Guernsey who'd been recording his bedroom, people had a different no they found it probably fresh and exciting that here's this kid who is this kid yeah, who is that <laughs> and uh, whereas now you know you have some kind of reputation which could help or it could be a hindrance yeah maybe i'm just in denial or something but i just can't think of it that way every time i reach out to anyone no matter no matter the level of their establishedness i'm trying to find the correct way to say that i'm always thinking of it as like I'm coming to them humbly and sort of like, oh, please, can we work together? <laughs> you know, it's not like, you just won the lottery. I want to work <laughs> with you, you know, like. Do you have a point where you say, should I, should I? No, I shouldn't. Should I? Yeah. Do, do you I, go through I that? I do have that. It depends who it is. But I always describe it as you want to meet someone right. You don't want to be like shoved in front of them at a party. Like, oh, have you met you? You two should meet. Like, I hate that. It's no good for anyone because it's, you want to have good reason to talk to each other. So quite often when I reach out to someone, sometimes I'll just be, we follow each other back and I'll just send them a message like, I really love what you do. But quite often if I'm like reaching out with a motive, like I actually want something from you, a vocal, I'll come with the music and be like, here's the reason for our talking, you know. But it has changed. I mean, it is easier for me to reach out to smaller artists particularly but big artists as well. I think there's a lot of music that I've made out there now and people can hear it and kind of judge for themselves. Whereas before there was less music out and uh, it was maybe a bit harder to tell whether I was any good at what I do. But now I've kind of got a back catalogue and people can decide whether they like it or not. But I try not to think about it, to be honest. Yeah, <laughs> but I guess in a way it could also be a question of do I want to continue working with someone or do I not want to continue for various different reasons. So mm. Slow Tie appears on this new album. He appeared on your last album. We had a great conversation about 
what he was like to work with. <laughs> but when you have all these people that you've worked with already, mm. you know, and you like them, you get on with them, you know, you have a great time. It's tempting to just continue mm. that. But then clearly with Demon Time, you know, you had this concept in a way, <laughs> this idea of, no, what I'm trying to do is have some fun here and create something that is a bit more fun and playful. Mm. And maybe I should reach out and work with some other people. Bring some new people on. Mm. Yeah. I think it's a combination of things, isn't it? I quite often think of it as like one of these sort of auto directors like Tarantino or Wes Anderson or Paul Thomas Anderson or where it's like there's recurring cast in their films. Like they're doing different things, the actors, every time. But it's like PTA works very well with Daniel Day-Lewis. They understand each other. Daniel Day-Lewis isn't in every Paul Thomas Anderson film, but quite often he appears. And like slow tie is Danny Day Lewis to me, where it's like we get each other, we understand each other. It's normal for him to appear in my work and for me to appear in his work. But you wouldn't just cast exactly the same actors every time because it would be ridiculous. A lot of the same actors, maybe, like because there's a working relationship there. But yeah, I think it's important to just constantly be injecting new things into the music and exploring types of music I haven't before, like my first Spanish language song is on this album, for example, with Isabella Love Story. Yeah, I'm just, that's the main thing about me. I think I'm just looking to do new things and keep myself interested and kind of passionate. But yeah, the nature of that has changed as I've sort of picked up relationships on the way, as you say. So I think probably by album six or seven, I'll be in the position where it is a recurring cast and like, you know, I've got my sort of people that I love working with. But until that point, I'm just going to keep working with loads of different people. Yeah. So in a way, as you're exploring, you're trying out different musical styles as well. Just, you know, that's a kind of conscious thing. Or is it when you're, your way of working? So, you know, if you've changed from guitar to piano to, to laptop, would we say that with this record, this is a more of a, a laptop album? Yeah, that would be a fair assessment, especially compared to the last one. Where this album maybe differs from the first one, which I would also say is a laptop album, is there's a bit more hardware and there's a bit more synthesis on this album and kind of custom-built sounds and things and different motivation, obviously. But I think what I'm really interested in is just sort of... I'm just a curious person. I'm just very curious. I want to know what it's like to do that or how to do that the best way or what makes something interesting or why that type of music is culturally important or yeah, I've just always got questions and I want to kind of chase those cars and figure out what they're about. And is that just something that you're, you're doing without really thinking about much? It's not as if you set aside time for research and development or that's just, just something that you do. I can't help doing it. Yeah. Mm. It feels very instinctual, instinctive. Hmm. Yeah, that's something I get a lot from friends is like, when do you have time to listen to all this stuff? Like, they can't suggest something without me being like, oh, yeah, that's that person. They're from this city and they're signed to this label. And it's like Rain Man or something. <laughs> like, and they're like, when do you have time to do all this? And I'm like, I don't know. I can't help it. Like, it, it is really interesting to me, genuinely. And I think that's why this role that I've kind of found really suits me is because I'm genuinely curious about new artists and new music or making someone think about something in a different way or encouraging an artist to do something like me having understood their current style, be 
being able to sort of add something onto it or encourage them out of it a little bit to get them to explore a new area. Yeah. I just love it. Yeah. <laughs> That's the answer. Excellent. That is a great answer. <laughs> it's uh, fun. That's yeah. the answer. And what else informs that? I mean, it, does that extend to other inspiration? Books, films, you've mentioned directors. Yeah. I've started um, sort of consuming all kinds of <laughs> media just as I've gotten older and like just had a bit more appreciation. I think when you're young, music feels like the most urgent art. At least that's the experience I had. Music and kind of film. And then as you get older, you start to realize why really nice furniture is actually really cool and like why that's an important part of life. And then you get into like homeware and cutlery and then architecture and like you just sort of develop into this like things that you thought were really boring when you were younger become the actual vital, interesting things. So yeah, I'd say I'm a bit of a dilettante when it comes to like, yeah, everything's interesting. <laughs> like, yeah. That's brilliant. So it's all interrelated really, isn't it? I think so. Yeah. I was having a really interesting conversation with Kosha, who's like a close collaborator of mine. Last night over dinner, the waiter had said, we had ordered a lot of like bavette and like pork shoulder and stuff. And he said, why don't you have this citrus salad thing? Because that will really cut through the saltiness. And I, like, my head exploded because I was like, oh, my God, I've never thought about this before. But, like, citrus is, like, the high frequencies and, like, meat and, like, salt and, like, earth and umami. That's, like, the base frequencies. And, like, food is, like, mixing. And, like, she was just laughing at me. But I was like, <laughs> it's all connected, man. Like, proper tinfoil hat. But I think it's cool to let other mediums inform what you do because if you're making direct reference especially with your contemporaries and your peers you just run the risk of retreading things that have already been done whereas if you make a psychedelic rock album that is based on the movie alien and you know you kind of like mix and match like your references and stuff you're bound to get something interesting yeah fantastic so we can expect a food related project possibly i mean i don't know if i really need to talk about this here <laughs> but i am writing a sort of little book about how to order food how to order food yeah because that's something when you're on tour and stuff like mm. you find a lot of places just like the crew will be ordering something and they'll get the wrong thing and then it will ruin their entire day and i've got a reputation as being a good orderer amongst my friends so <laughs> i'm writing it's called how to eat out which i think is a hilarious title <laughs> <laughs> it has some interesting connotations yeah. um yeah amazing that sounds great we got way off topic <laughs> yeah no, it's all it's all on topic that's what we're saying um yeah, yeah. excellent but we're gonna we're gonna examine emotions now so let's have a, a blast of the a master of this song master blast <laughs>
So that is emotions with Erica de Cassier, 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 and she's originally from Denmark. Yeah, is that right? But mm -hmm. she has a Portuguese connection. I can't remember the exact. I think uh, a Portuguese born Danish singer. That's think, it. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, extremely interesting origin story, Erica. But just the most delightful, sweet, talented. Like her albums are sort of heavy rotation in my house. And I wanted to work with her for ages and kind of this was an example of me not wanting to reach out just because I was sort of like scared <laughs> and like, oh, she's far too cool for me. And like, uh, I don't think she's ever done a feature. And she, I think previous to working with me, she hadn't ever done a session with somebody who wasn't her sort of main couple of producers. So she really like took a chance, which I'm very extremely glad that she did. Yeah. Yeah, well, it works really well. So with this one, I mean, it's interesting because this has a, another kind of UK garage mm. kind of flavor to it. Um, is that harp a sample? Or that harp, that was played in by me. I was kind of messing around and it's a clip of me improvising. And this is one of the chief questions that I get all the time is, what's that harp? Where's that harp from? So this is for all the producer heads out there. It's the Elysium harp. It's a contact instrument. It's like a sampled instrument. Let's have a little bit of that. So you can play that on your laptop keyboard? Yeah, yeah. Uh... So years of training. <laughs> yeah, here we go. <laughs> no, I've played much better on a, a MIDI keyboard. But uh, yeah, the whole song kind of started with that loop. Um, Erica was in London for a few days and very kindly came down to my little spot in Peckham in my back garden. <laughs> and um, I'd never heard her on a garage type beat. She does a lot of like R&B and kind of like, it always makes me think of Sade where it's like this kind of down tempo, but very cyclical, meditative. But there's also this like ironic detachment that she has that's quite funny. Like there's a sense of humor to it, which prevents it from being sort of melodramatic or like over the top. But yeah, I was interested to hear us on something more up tempo. And yeah, I had kind of gone into the session wanting to do a garage thing and kind of express that by just doing it and then seeing what she would do over it. Yeah. So when we hear her vocal, that's, what she's brought to it is you didn't give her any lyrical direction or, you know, as you might no, yeah, a shy girl at I time. was remiss to do that because Erica doesn't normally collaborate in this particular oh. way. So that was an example of kind of knowing my place and being like, I'm not going to make any suggestions here until maybe later on in the process. One thing that I did suggest funnily that was like one of the last things we recorded was kind of as she was on her way out the door was I'd written the harp and this bass line to go along with it. So I'd said to her, kind of, we were at the end of recording the rest of the song, and I was like, do you mind doing one more thing for me? Can you just go... And kind of sung that line to her as a counter melody for the bass line. And she was like, I don't know, I don't really normally do those like earwormy type la 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 things and I was like oh please I think it'll sound really good you know like <laughs> just do it and then I can delete it if you don't like it and did it and she really enjoyed it and I was like yes <laughs> got the vocal that is great and um, 
Another funny thing about this vocal is there was a couple of things that she had initially done whilst improvising almost as a joke. Like when she says, when she's like, it's like you're incapable of loving and all these kind of derisive like ad libs. She was sort of joking and she, we were both giggling at it. And then I chopped them up and put them in the song and she was like, oh, you actually used that. She was like, it's funny, you took the thing that I liked least and made it into the hook. I was like, that's kind of part of the idea with this album though, is like, if it's making us laugh, that's the correct thing to chase. And like, that's the most human thing about it maybe. And the thing that people are going to relate to is those kind of moments that are a bit funny. So yeah, there's like a weird comedy to this whole album. And like all the ridiculous like radio style drops and tags and like, Mura. you know, like little Mura and like all this stuff <laughs> kind of just makes me laugh and gives the album like a exaggerated sense of identity, I think. And like there's a lot of like drops and tags on the album. My favorite of which is the Jesus Christ. I don't know if you heard that when you were listening to I don't album. know whether I have. Jesus Christ. Yeah, that's like my sort of new tag, like, <laughs> just because I kept saying it in the studio when we were listening back to stuff, just like, Jesus Christ, you know, and it sort of became this in-joke amongst me and the, the people who were making the album. Yeah. But is that Erica saying that there? No, no the, that... the identity of the person who's saying Jesus Christ is a well-guarded secret. <laughs> the answer may surprise you, right? but I can't divulge yeah. that. <laughs> and uh, when she asked you that question and you said, well, you know, you gave her your explanation about what the album was. And what, what did Erica say then after she told you, you've taken the thing I least liked? Yeah, and, yeah. But she was kind of saying it in a, I think she was a little bit surprised at mm. how it worked in that way. And it was making her smile. And I think she understood after I'd said like, that's the thing you want to chase though, is that feeling of like spontaneity. And like, it's a good rule of thumb, I think. If someone's like recording on the mic and they're joking, about what they're singing. As long as it's not totally ridiculous or obviously parody or something like that, if it resembles an actual idea, I think you should chase it down and sort of see it out at least, you know, maybe it's yeah. not the right thing, but in that case, she ended up really loving it and kind of trusting me ultimately, which I'm grateful for whenever that happens in the studio. Yeah, yeah, totally. I think it's interesting how for your generation, people younger than you as well, um, UK Garage has become a kind of go-to sound yeah. and especially for what you were looking for which is fun and joy and uplift yeah i find it really interesting how certain eras and certain genres of music have a lasting impact for future generations because at the core of them mm. you know there's a kind of humanity and you know joyful humanity that, that yeah. other generations can really relate to because i mean you're too young to have heard any of those no UK garage hits when they were hits initially, unless you were a, a toddler. Or, yeah, or, I remember hearing like, Do You Really Like It by MC Pie Piper, like when right. that was, that's like one of my earliest musical memories. Or like Baby Cakes, for example, was one of the first songs that I ever heard and sort of registered and was like, I'd like to hear that song again, you know, like as right. a sort of, what, six-year-old, seven-year-old? Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting what you're saying. It's like the original motivation for that genre makes itself known to like a later generation where it's like when people were making garage, they were trying to like, you know, party and live it up. And yeah, it's got that sweetness to it, that kind of innocence that's really nice. 
and yeah it's like some of the earliest music that i can remember so it was nice to like tap into that feeling again yeah that's almost you know if we're going to use a food analogy you know it's like a comfort food or something there's something that brings you to a, an innocent time and yeah. and that's what you're also seeking with the music that would be demon time <laughs> yeah and like demon time being the hours of you know midnight till 6am where you're kind of letting loose a little bit maybe doing something that you might maybe not do again but not quite regret you know it's kind of like the nebulous like how far am i willing to push myself in order to have a good time and like i think this type of music is an element of that for sure mm. is there anything else we need to hear from emotions before we round um, it off might just be interesting for people to hear a kind of breakdown of some of the percussion stuff because mm. it's all kind of the first time that I've been really experimenting with swing and there's a lot of space like obviously there's a lot of things going on but like the tambourine only being sections of three hits rather than the whole time just like leaves a bit of air maybe and then there's a lot of these like funny DJ you know, spin backs and stuff. Yeah. I like. I really like that about that era of music because it's like the sound of like a rewind or a, a DJ scratch or something like that. It's almost like the DJ inserting themselves into the music. It's like their version of like when DJ Khaled goes, DJ Khaled, you know, like <laughs> it's like a little scratch to let the listener know like I'm here too. And like, I like that um, self-insert quality that those DJ scratch sounds have. It almost yeah. draws attention to the fact that what you're listening to has been produced by someone or sort of like it's being curated by someone. So there's a lot of like spin backs and sounds like that yeah. all over the album. I'm thinking DJ Alex. <laughs> DJ um, Alex. <laughs> Another one. Yeah. There's also a couple of interesting like operator patches that are built. One of them's called Swoosh. And it. It's literally just like a white noise kind of, and really quiet as well. And there's another one called Rising Sign, which is just, it's almost like a slide whistle. But like, I normally avoid like white noise builds and kind of things like that, because they can be quite corny when they're not used correctly. But for this kind of thing, just quietly in the background. You don't see, you don't think of my emotions like you can. We can barely hear them but it just kind of adds a little bit of tension. And another thing which I really want to talk about, which I haven't had cause or opportunity to talk about yet, is this kick resampling thing where I'm taking a kick and then turning the grid off in Ableton, shortening it, copying it a bunch, so that you end up with like a bunch of kick hits in a row. And then consolidating that and like fading it out. So you get this like weird and then I panned it in the actual track. But instead of doing the you know, that drives everyone crazy. That's just like a slightly more interesting way of using kicks to like build a bit of tension. Like there's one in the second drop as well that's you know quite like elastic sounding. And I wanted to talk about that because I think it's interesting. Yeah, let's hear it within the track then. Yeah, so really simple thing 
Yeah, and like, again, I know I'm repeating myself, but there's not a lot going on in this song. Like, it's just about using as few elements as possible to kind of bring something together that feels exciting and simple and fun. And then there's a bit of Shy Girl at the end saying Demon Time, I think. Mm, demon Time. <laughs> mm. That's something I've got all the artists who came through the studio to just do some silly demon time like there's loads of those like I've got a whole folder of like these funny sounds (laughs) (laughs) like all these evil laughs this is a certified demon classic (laughs) yeah champagne bottle pop you know these kind of things wow that sounds great that's a bonus disc all right, the CD version, you get like 10 minutes of all these different sounds. Yeah, if it was a magazine, that yeah. would be like the sample pack CD. Yeah, maybe I will release those. They're quite funny. And then people can just chuck them on top of everything. Yeah, I think that would be brilliant. Yeah. Um, I think we should hear the master again before we ask you our last two questions. Yeah, let's hear a little bit. Shut my eyes so I won't see the love you don't feel. I think maybe for you this it seemed like quite a coup to get Erica on this track then. Definitely. Yeah, I love her. I'm a really, really huge fan of her. And she, to me, is like, you know, royalty. So it's uh, a real opportunity. It's kind of the same way I feel about getting Terza on the last record, where mm. it's like, this is a person who doesn't normally work with other people in this way. So there's a real respect there and kind of trust. I'm just So that is Emotions by Muramasa from Demon Time. Now, before we let you go, Alex, we'd like to ask everybody these questions. You've been asked them before. Maybe things have changed. I probably won't remember my (laughs) previous answers. So, yeah. So, I mean, one is about tech, equipment, Mm -hmm. an instrument that maybe for this particular project was vital or Mm. something you can't work without. Is there a microphone or... Uh, particular thing I think last time I maybe talked about my Sawyer's microphone at length so if you want to hear about how much I love that microphone people can go and listen to the other episode this time I might talk about the Arturia analog lab which is just like a collection of all the Arturia synths basically and instruments and stuff I've been using that all over this album and kind of like just allows for a lot of customization kind of any sound you can think of you can type it into the search bar and it'll just come up so yeah that's my top tip that sounds great i like the idea that you just have a thought you type it in and then it the search bar reveals where you can get that that's really handy yeah the search bar makes a big difference because normally you have to sort of go through each of your synth plugins check there whether there's what you need maybe there isn't you have to load up another one and like something i was doing a lot on this album was trying to shorten the space between having the idea and being able to execute it and this really helps with that 
And the other question we ask everybody is about advice. Um, we're looking for any advice that you would give to other people or advice you've received along the way mm. or lessons you've learned that are worth passing on. I think this is probably what I said last time, but maybe that will sort of portray me as some really consistent, wise character. <laughs> I think if you're a young musician, temptation is to emulate people or try to copy people that have been successful or to be listening to things and thinking I could do that and then sort of using that as a goal to aim towards. But I think just as I've got older and as I'm looking at younger artists for things that I like about them, you've just got to do the thing that like makes you an individual. Like that's the reason that you're going to get into the room in the first place is because you do something that's different from everyone else. And like, it seems banal and kind of obvious to say, but it's like, if you're doing something weird that nobody quite understands, keep doing that. Like that's the thing that you should focus on. Yeah. Do your thing. That's my advice. Yeah. That is great advice. Alex, thanks so much for coming here and uh, talking us through these tracks from the new album. Great to have you on Take Notes again. We should have one more song. Yeah. An outro. Yeah. And I should say thanks for having me again. It's a real pleasure. Honestly, That's it's been pleasure. Let's do it again for sure. The next time I release a crazy album, I'm coming back. Uh, let's do Up All Week, which is with Slow Tie. Excellent. So this will be Muramasa and Up All Week with Slow Tie from Demon Time. The number you have dialed has not been recognized. Please check and try again. Just can't get no sleep. Faithless, they just don't believe We stay up all week And I just can't get no sleep Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed the episode. If you have a moment, do tell your friends and leave us a review. It all really helps. Thanks to those of you who have already donated to the show. I'm just one part of the team that brings you tape notes. It relies on your support. If you'd like to donate, please head to our website. Once again, thank you for listening. Until next time, goodbye. Sitting in my yard, thinking to myself, if life's like this, I'll take the easy route up. Calm down, chap. Step out the house and the bus flying high, you're still stuck on the couch. Life in a box, start watching TV. Brain like mush, always staring at screens. They said in our streams, mass with some cheese. Not worth the paper that is printed on, please. Material things, diamond rings, nice house and a mortgage for your kids. You want your whole life as affordable living. Spend your salary renovating your kitchen. Just can't get no sleep. Faithless, they just don't believe We stay up all week And I just can't get no sleep Faithless, they just don't believe We stay up all week